0: So hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of Business Grow Secrets. I'm really, really excited to have an amazing guest on, somebody that's done some really cool things, had a great career, and that is Alex Murphy. It's a two-times champion for dancing on ice. Um, also had some amazing career and, and lots of different things happening. I'm really looking forward to unearthing Alex's story in a bit more detail. Of course, for me, when we do this podcast, one of the things that's really important in business is to make sure you have a good level of discipline that you apply yourself, that you focus, that you stay on track. And I think that Alex is going to be a great example of all of that. So, welcome, Alex. Great to have you on and super excited to to be chatting to you today. How are you? So just to start off with things good.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? <laughs>
0: super. So, yeah, you know, really excited to hear a little bit more about your story and a bit about the things that you've been through and understanding, you know, how it is that you've uh, managed to. Turn yourself into a two times champion for dancing and <laughs> and so much more. So do you want to tell us a little bit about you, Alex? And tell us a bit about your background. How did you get into, you know, skating originally and what's it been like for you on that journey?
1: Sure. Um, I'm actually from a skating household. My mom is a skating coach. So I started in diapers pretty much. Um <laughs> it was a little bit of like babysitting. It was just a little bit of daycare where I was coming to work with her. And then I I think I showed a little bit of promise and they decided to put me into actual lessons and yeah so I competed until I was 18 and then I turned professional at actually technically at like 17 and yeah I went on to Disney on Ice and Royal Caribbean cruise ships and Dancing on Ice and yeah some really cool other TV shows shows in Mexico and I've just been a professional skater since. Um and, and, and what's that bit like?
0: So in terms of actually being a professional, I didn't know about the Disney on ice, that's pretty cool, right? Always wanted to go on one of those, that sounds good. Uh, the, the cruise, I mean, and, and obviously. Oh yeah, I
1: did a cruise awesome. as well as cruise ships.
0: Awesome, awesome. So in terms of you building up and, and, and getting to that level, you obviously had to do a lot of training, you know, and it's a tough sport, isn't it, from what I've seen. It, it's not something that's you know, it's something that's good takes it out of you, right?
1: It is. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those sports where they want you to make it look easy, but it's not. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So what's it been like for you being a professional skater since you've been 18? What's that journey been like? You know, has it been tough? Has it been a struggle? Was it something that you, did you just love it when you first started or was it something you grew to love? How did that kind of happen?
1: It's one of those sports that if you're lucky to be able to go professional, you know, there's only like, I was reading the stat the other day, there's only like 1% of People say that they can say that they're a professional athletes, so I feel really fortunate to have ever even been able to go professional with it because it is so hard to to get in and to be competitive. And so I was really, really fortunate to get a spot on Disney on Ice as a you know as an eighteen year old. Um, and then I spent you know three years with them, and I loved it. It is really challenging because at the end of the day, it's almost like some skating shows are like auditioning for a movie. So if you don't fit the part, you don't get the part. It doesn't matter how good you are. It could be just what you look like. It could be your size, things like that. So it was really tough in the beginning because you have to kind of wrap your head around the fact that it's not about your technical skills. So in competition days, you know, okay, well, I compete. and If I fall on that jump, I know I'm not going to do as well as someone that lands it. But you go to the show worlds in the professional worlds, and that kind of is thrown out the window. It could be, oh, well, you look more like this Disney princess or you fit the bill for this part better. So it was a bit challenging in the beginning. But then I think once I figured out the industry and I figured out, you know, how I felt about it. I I didn't take it as personal, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what part did you play? I'm curious.
1: (laughs) So I was, it's so funny. I was Jesse from Toy Story on one show. Oh, awesome. Uh, Yeah. And then I was Martha in High School Musical for almost, for like two and a half years.
0: Oh, really? My son is like the biggest Toy Story fan you've ever met. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, he'd absolutely love that. (laughs) Yeah, it was
1: great. I loved it. I absolutely loved the show.
0: No. Brilliant. So how did that transfer to you breaking on to getting the dancing on ice space on TV? And how did yes. that all happen?
1: So from there I went, I, I gained a lot of experience from Disney on ice. And then I went to um, cruise ships, to Royal Caribbean cruise ships. And I spent almost five years there traveling and on their shows. And that's a, an extremely competitive world for the, the figure skating world because it, there's just less amount of numbers of skaters, so it's really hard to get on, so I was super fortunate to get a spot there. and then it was really funny. They were you know, a friend of mine said, "Oh, they're auditioning for the Dutch version of Dancing on Ice." And at this point, like Dancing on Ice had finished in the u k, and I never even had heard of it before. And I was like, "Well, what's that? So we watched an episode of the u k version, and I was like, "Oh, that would be fun." And I knew that they were auditioning for the sixth season of the Dutch version of it. So I just sent in a video and I somehow got the spot. <laughs> got really, really lucky. I got the spot and I went out to Amsterdam and skated for them. But at this point, the UK one obviously was done. And then when they did the revamp, when they decided to do the revamp, I actually got a message on Facebook, to be honest, of asking me to send an audition tape.
0: Oh, awesome. What was the difference between the Dutch one and the UK one then? How was it different for you in terms of, you know, the overall kind of show and maybe the profiles it is as high profile in Holland as it is in the UK would you say
1: you know it actually really was a lot of people don't realize how big of a deal it was in Holland but like when I was on it it was on its sixth season and it had done so well and one thing I would say is different is British tabloids are very different so you yeah, find a lot more <laughs> press following you around over here in the UK whereas yeah. in, in Amsterdam it was like we went about our day we went to work we stayed in the hotel at night, you know, it was very normal. And then, you know, as we, the season went on and progressive, you know, as we did well, people started to recognize us a bit more. But now over in the UK, it's really funny because there's just, there's a lot of media over here.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the UK, you were with Joe Swash, right? Is that correct? I
1: was. I had yeah. Joe last, my last season. Yep.
0: And and how, what was he like? Was he good?
1: Oh, he's a dream. Honestly, when I, when I got Joe, he was in, last place and he was like really struggling and he just worked his butt off to get to where he got to and he yeah he's an amazing person he's really really good It's a great guy
0: it's it's a difficult thing for someone to pick up isn't it and you know start to to actually go and do is the training really intensive
1: it is it's long hours and the thing is it's like you don't realize how long the hours are until you can't feel your feet it's long hours in the cold which makes it so much harder
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and of course, you famously then. At the, I think it was the age of twenty-four. Is that right? You had, you know, a quite a big, big setback. What was that like for you? And you know, especially someone that's been an athlete for many, many years. And you know, how did that affect you? And what was that like, really, for you to explain what it was for the audience as well? You know, so we can get a bit of an understanding.
1: Yeah. So when I was twenty-four, um, I actually had a stroke. I had a stroke that was caused by a hole in my heart. And I was on cruise ships and I was skating in a show and I just finished, I still have my skates on and I was changing out of my costume and backstage and I had a stroke in front of, you know, all my colleagues. And fortunately for me, I was on a cruise ship. So they rushed me down to the hospital ward and they, you know, addressed me there. They didn't know what it was because I was 24 and they couldn't understand that like a 24 year old will be having a stroke. So they gave me a shot of Valium to, you know, calm me down and to see what would happen. And I fell asleep, but I wasn't able to read or write for eight hours. I, you know, couldn't really stand. I was a bit of a mess. But then fortunately, they gave me another shot of Valium and that broke up the blood clot to my brain. And which is just a stroke of luck, you know, at the end of the day. And then I, we just happened to have been, it was almost like the perfect storm. We happened to be doing the crossing to go back to Florida from the Mediterranean Um, and I was, we were on just getting on to like day one of an eight day crossing where we'd be in the middle of the ocean where, you know, no one can get to you. And we just were stopping in Tenerife in the Canary Islands. So they landed me in Tenerife and then the ship went on without me. And I stayed in the Canary Islands for nine days where they did all these tests. And then they flew me to Miami and they found out that I had a hole in my heart. And that was, you know, that was the cause of the stroke. So I had heart surgery. So it was oh, wow. tough. It, it was a big setback, but also a, like a totally a life changing experience. But in a weird way, I would say it's like the best thing that ever happened to me because <laughs> it like made me really grateful, and I was able to get back on the ice later, and you know, get myself back into shape. And I actually went to the Dutch version of the show about a month later.
0: Did you really? Wow. Yeah, and I, I think, was
1: really fortunate.
0: I think you know the mindset of that. You know, to pick yourself back up and. Is incredible, really. What was going on in your mind? How did you kind of keep yourself motivated and positive? Was it your love for what you were doing or, you know, just didn't want to kind of, you know, have it impact? Because a lot of people might have quit, mightn't they? So I can't do this Yeah, anymore.
1: to be fair, they said to me, you know, we can put you on blood thinners for the rest of your life, but you can't skate. Or we can give you heart surgery and hope that this works and, you know, you'll be fine and you can skate again. And I was just like, I have to get back to skating. And I think it was just like, that fear of failure that you just, you don't want to give up. I think that's an athlete's brain too. I looked at my surgery and I looked at my stroke as almost like an athletic challenge. It was almost like getting through your skating routine. It was like getting through your trainings every every day since I had, since I was little. So I didn't, I didn't look at it as, you know, everything was progressive where I think a lot of stroke survivors struggle because they don't have that like goal in mind. They don't understand that, you know, as, as an athlete, you Work really hard to achieve one thing, and then once you've achieved that, you try to achieve the next thing. And I think that that is what helped me get over my stroke, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Having that kind of and and I think that's you know for anybody that's, that's listening, that's in business, we have a lot of people in business listening to the podcast. That focus is, I think, a, a really really important thing. One of the things that we train is is to get people really to focus and understand where, where they're they're moving towards. Because it gives them purpose, right, and gets them through the bad times. <laughs> sounds to me, like you, just had that brilliant focus that allowed you to keep pushing forwards and to sort of go make it happen, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's just sometimes like an athlete's mentality. Fortunately, has that they're they're able to focus on the next thing and they're able to you know see the bigger picture if that makes sense. I think I saw the bigger picture and I was like, okay, well, I know I need to get back skating, so let's just get this heart surgery over. Let's just get these tests over. So I took everything day by day and then. Once, you know, the heart surgery, I was like, okay, well, I, I took my recovery very seriously, you know, things like that. And I think that that was, that's what allowed me to get back so quickly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then to go on and, you know, hit the heights of your career after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, amazing. I actually, I was really lucky. they were like the best moments after it all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really good. Right. That's amazing. No, that's cool. And what, So what what did you kind of learn from F- from all of that, you know, what, what, how, you said you learned gratitude, really. I think that's, yeah, important. I think
1: I, I was very, I learned to be really grateful for what I had because I know that there's so many stroke survivors that don't, they don't get to walk again, they don't get to speak again. So I had a lot of, I had this weird thing, I would say, like, it's like a bit of survivor's guilt for a while where I felt really guilty that I was fine, that my life had just carried on. And then I went, I did go through a period of time where like, I, I realized like, oh, I'm supposed to be, I was on a high after it. I was like, okay, great. I had my stroke. And then, you know, three months later, I won the Dutch dancing on ice. And then I went back to cruise ships and I was normal. And then I just didn't, I never felt like myself probably for about three years after that. Cause I was supposed to be, I was great. I was back on a high and everything was supposed to be good. And you're just supposed to go back to being normal, but it's a traumatic experience that happens to you. And you just have to kind of, you have to deal with it. A lot of people deal with it later on in life. I dealt with mine probably like, Five years later, I would say. Like it was it wasn't until a few years later that I was like, oh wow, that was a really awful experience. (laughs) And that was really hard for me. And I didn't I wasn't feeling it at the time, but I did, you know, you're just supposed to feel normal. A lot of times people have surgeries or they have, you know, life changing moments and they think, Oh, you're just supposed to feel normal right after. You're not ever gonna feel normal right after.
0: No, it's really interesting. And you know, especially when you say that you dealt with it and dealt with it in the right way. For sure. And, you know, what you said there in terms of going on and winning, um, you obviously won the Dutch one. Why is it you won, do you think? What is it that, were you the best skater? Were you the most focused? What do you think that took you to have because you've obviously won twice, haven't you? So, yeah, I've been really is, <laughs> lucky.
1: Have been um, like really the,
0: lucky or was there a bit more than luck to it?
1: <laughs> I think that I've got a really, um, I've got a different feeling for the sport than most professionals, if that makes sense, because, because I did have my stroke on the ice, because I did have everything surrounded skating. I have a different love for it. I think than most like professional performers And and they're amazing. And on the show, I've been so lucky to skate with great performers, but, um, I love it so much more than them. If that makes sense, like my love for it is a different level of love because I know, I know that it can be taken away. I have been there where it was taken away. And I know that, I love it so much more because it, it kind of saved my life in a weird way.
0: Absolutely. You know, so you think the love is the, the love of the, was that really, so what does that love do? Cause I think that's getting a bit. I think
1: dangerous. that, yeah, I think that that the love of the sport or the love of like the it joy of, hard, of hard being, hard yeah, it be, makes you work yeah. harder. It makes you, makes you, your drive is a bit more than I, you have something to prove more than everybody else does. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. Now so I think really interesting one of the another thing that we tell business owners is that it's much easier to do something that you're not easier but it's much better mm-hmm. to do something you're passionate about because if you're passionate about it when the challenges come up you you're not going to kind of you know your desire is going to be there to overcome the challenges rather than to sort of allow those challenges to kind of get in your way right exactly and if you love what doing, it's so much easier if you love what you do to just keep on going it doesn't mean it's exactly. easy exactly easier to keep going right so it's really interesting that you say that and that's why i wanted to get the depths of it because you say well i love it it was great that you love it you know uh, i love football but i'm not any good at football <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean like well i'm not bad but i'm i'm certainly not professional do you know what i mean so yeah, uh, yeah. so but you you feel that that just gave you that extra drive to keep pushing on and you know yeah
1: it on. does it it changes your passion too i think when you when you realize that something can be taken from you all of a sudden you want it more, I think, and you, and you, you crave it again. And I think I love skating, but I was kind of, at that point, I think I had been professional for like eight years, um, seven or eight years. And I think I was like, you know, maybe lackluster with it where I was like, Oh, it's great. But, you know, I had been to the pyramids in Egypt yeah. and I had done all these amazing traveling things and I was starting, it was losing its shine. And then the minute I you know, had my stroke and I realized, Oh my God, this, this is over, this could be over. Then all of a sudden that sparkle came back. And I think you can't, some people have sparkle. I would say that like you, some people have it. And I think that my skating got better after my stroke because I just loved it more. I was skating, maybe not skating technically my best right after it, but I, I had a different feel and a different love and a different look on the ice, I think, because every day I was grateful to be there. Every day I was grateful. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's amazing, really. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, it had that kind of impact on you. And I think it's interesting for people to maybe as a lesson for, for their for their businesses to understand that as well. So you, you've won it twice. Mm-hmm. What, what's next for you? I mean, I've seen that you've, um, you've got your pod, podcast as well.
1: Yeah, uh, we've got, I've got a podcast out. I'm really lucky. So my whole life, I always wanted to be, I love skating, but I kind of in a weird way fell into professional skating. I auditioned and I never thought I'd be good enough to get it. Um, and you know, it was so highly competitive in my area as well that we were like, no, you won't get it. It's, it's no big deal, but it's good experience to audition. And I did get it. And when I, I, once you're in the, you know, professional industry things, it's easier to get more jobs. Um, but I always wanted to be a TV reporter. I always wanted to do TV and entertainment. So I always thought that I would be doing broadcasting. I was going to study broadcast journalism. Um, and I postponed it. And so, now it's really funny. I have I feel like I've achieved all the skating things I've wanted to achieve. You know, I don't have anything else that I was on my bucket list of professional careers, you know, to win it once was enough for me. And then to win it twice was just like outrageous. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I was just so happy with it. And now I think it's, I'm kind of taking on a different career where I've done some, you know, I'm doing, um, podcasts and I host a show called celebs go skating, where we put celebrities on the ice and I interview them and, I'm just kind of going down the entertainment side now, which is something that I've always wanted to do since I was a kid, but never had the opportunity to. And now this platform from the skating has, has given me the ability to do it.
0: Oh, brilliant. And and for the, for the talk about the podcast a little bit, tell us a bit about, obviously we're on a podcast now, but I think yeah. uh, people are listening and, you know, a lot of the people listening, a lot of the people that listen to this are interested in marketing and understanding how to get their message out there. Um yeah. and that's certainly what you're doing and I've seen your Instagram you're doing really well and you, you Oh social
1: to... media is huge isn't it a whole thing like yeah, yeah. it's a whole world in itself I'm now now my full time job is social media where you know I, I used to the whole world shut down when covid happened and every ice rink was closed for 11 months and you know, I would have coached or done anything, but because of that, it put me forward into the social media world, and I had to work really hard to figure out how I was going to build a brand. And if I mean, you're saying this is a business podcast, then obviously, like you guys must be interested in branding, and it is really, yeah, really hard. Well, like yeah, it is I, so I hard to
0: you that, Alex. Right? It's because I, I feel that uh, Americans are much, much better um, at building a brand, right? Do than, you think? Than in the UK. Uh, well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, is this something that we teach over here, right? And something that we help our clients with. And some of our clients have become so successful through understanding how to build their brand because it's quite unusual mm-hmm. in the UK. But in America, you know, I always notice because I've, I've spent a lot of time in America and um, I've done a lot of training over there. I've gone over, I've trained in business over there. And one of the things I always noticed was when I used to go over there was just simple stuff like the realtors, having their face on giant billboards out there and stuff. Oh, like, yeah. No one in the UK would ever do that. That just doesn't happen, right?
1: Yeah, and that's uh, the
0: point. You know, you know, it never, ever happens in the UK. It's not here. It's just people don't put, people don't position themselves. There's a bit of a, a polite thing yeah. about the UK is that you don't kind of put yourself out there as much, right? Well, because you, you don't right. want to feel
1: narcissistic. I think that a lot of people feel that by pushing yourself and by, and I mean, I felt this way with social media, if I'm honest, my first two years of the dancing on ice over here, I hardly used it and I should have used it and I should have grown my brand. And And I was just like, I don't want to be narcissistic. I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, pushing myself I too hard.
0: A lot of people, Alex, um, you know, certainly a lot of the listeners of this podcast would probably have had those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. It's self-doubt. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did you overcome that? I think it's a really, really interesting. So I see you're doing a great job on Instagram and I see you doing your podcast and getting your message out there and you're following uh, your, your, your dream of broadcasting. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that journey has been like for you as well?
1: I think it was just about authenticity. You know, um, when I finished dancing on ice and I knew I wasn't going to go back for the next year, I was like, what am I going to do now? And, and my biggest thing was, well, I want to do this social media. I want to do this branding. I want to, you know, get my message out and I want to be working. I want to be a working presenter. And so it was like, well, how do you make that happen for yourself? And I think for me, it was about like letting my guards down and say in actually showing myself, you know, my boyfriend, he said to me one day, he goes, it's a shame that you don't use your social media for what you're actually like. You're actually really funny and really personable. And a lot of it is just like pretty pictures of you and ice skating dresses. And he was right. I was like, actually, nobody really knows my personality. So I think I I use the authenticity of you've got this free platform, this social media platform where you can say anything you want to say and be anything you want to be. And I wasn't using it to who I actually was. So once I started using it to who I actually was, people were buying into it. People were like, oh, she is funny. Oh, she is an athlete, but she has something to say, you know. And then the more things that come off the back of that, the more, you know, the snowball rolls and eventually you get momentum. And then I can talk about the hard things, you know, my podcast Murphy's law is it's interviews with celebrities, but it's all about like the bad moments in their life. It's all about the Murphy's law moments when everything just went wrong and everything was miserable and how they like drag themselves back up instead of a happy interview of, you know, Oh, I did this and I achieved this. So it's, it's almost backwards because I wanted to talk to people about crap moments because I've had so many bad <laughs> moments. <laughs> so And I was like, that's what I'm trying I think it's a good,
0: Differentiating point, Alex. You know, because there's, there's not that many like that, right? So it certainly <laughs> differentiates you. What, what was the idea behind that? You know, was that was that part of the brand strategy? Was that just you know?
1: No, like, to be honest, I was sitting yeah. with my manager one day, and she was like, you know, I think that I think that we we can get you a podcast, Alex. We just need to know like what would you what would you talk about? Like what do you want to say? And I was like, well, obviously, like I've got things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about ice skating. I'm passionate about, you know, being a good daughter, being a good, you know, partner to my boyfriend, a good dog mom, like being a good person. And I'm obviously um, passionate about strokes. And I was like, you know, those are my three pillars of things. But also, I I am so into humor. Like, I've gotten by with everything from humor and from laughing. Um, And I said, and I was like, and my life is just like Murphy's Law. And we were just sat there and it was like this light bulb moment. I was like, everything always goes wrong in my life. But then everything in a weird way, I live backwards. I live in a way that everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's that age old saying of Murphy's Law. But everything that does go wrong in my life always leads me to something that I never imagined that is better, if that makes sense. Like I never imagined going on Dancing on Ice and winning. I never imagined going on Dancing on Ice and winning twice. You know, I never imagined any of these things. But I also never thought I'd have to hit this really low of, you know, almost dying first. So it's always extremes. <laughs> the Alice Murphy life is very extreme. So <laughs> I, I was like, this is, this could be it. And then the, I was like, Murphy's law. Oh my God, it's Murphy's law. And I was like, that's it. But it's, it's, let's get the message out and tell these awful stories about, you know, the media sold you out and this happened, or, you know, you had this accident yeah. or you've done this that people don't know about. But like, people see you on the outside as being perfect like i want to know the crap i want to know the bad stuff i want to sit down with you and and i was like but let's make this really authentic let's like if these were my friends which 90% of of the cast on the first season that i brought in i've i've known personally for a while um and i sat down with them and i could say to them like let's over a beer sit down and have a conversation like cuz that would be a conversation that i would have in my house over a drink like very casual yeah. and i think that's what i wanted so when the idea came out and when obviously like the podcast team was like, Oh my God, we love it. Um, I was like, my number one thing in all of this is to be authentic to Alex Murphy. If I slip up and I say a swear word, whatever, (laughs) we have to bleep it out. (laughs) You know, uh, I wanted it to be authentic. I think that that would be the best brand strategy you could tell anyone is you have got to be authentic to yourself, to what you are. Because people don't want to see perfection anymore.
0: I, t- I totally agree. I think everything you're saying is nailed on. And, you know, it's um, without a shadow of a doubt if you just be yourself. And the thing is, mm-hmm. the, the right people will find you. And exactly. And right people will walk away from you. That's okay because you don't want them anyway. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and you've got you've to gotta realize that, like, the people that you will draw to you, um, they're going to align with your life and your goals. And then all of a sudden, you're going to realize you don't see anyone else outside of that, if that makes sense. There's no one else outside of your You'll just find yourself with like-minded people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think some 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 fantastic advice there, you know, for <laughs> sure. In, ter- no, in terms of building the brand and getting your message out there, and it's also, you know, transitioning the careers and, and lots of great advice there. So, you know, some brilliant stuff there, Alex. In terms of people Aww. getting in touch with you, before we, uh, before, before we finish up, what, why don't we just ask you for, say, three tips. What three tips would you give for you know, somebody that maybe that's going through a tough time um, that they can a tough time or a difficult time, or they've had a few setbacks, what are the three things that you would say to them, you know, from your experience, maybe that they should, should look at doing in order to kind of inspire them to keep pushing forward and moving forward? I think that'd be a nice nice question to ask you, you know?
1: Um, I guess I would say that, that things always come in waves. So for every up that you're going to have, you're going to have a down. You cannot, expect to live levelly. Like I just, I've always said this forever. I do not live levelly. It's always, I'm either really high or really low. It's very rare to be in a position where things are just like settled. <laughs> so I think for every, if you're in a really big low now, there, there will be a big high eventually. That's just the way that, you know, the world works. Um, so I'd say just learn to ride that. the waves, like really learn to ride the waves and just know that things will get better. Um, and then I guess it's like just being your authentic self is going to get you out of so much stuff, like learning to accept the way that you are, the person that you are, what you want to do, whether it's in business and career, you know, in your life or, you know, relationships, you have to stay authentic to yourself. And I think that I didn't realize any of this stuff until I was 24, until I did have a stroke. And now, I mean, I'm 33 now, I'm going to be hitting my 10-year of, of my stroke anniversary. I call it. Um, but I feel like I was born when I had that. I feel like the, my stroke anniversary feels more important to me than a birthday. You be able
0: or, to just sort of be yourself, right? Yeah, it just,
1: like, yeah. It, it made me go, "Oh my god!" Well, I don't align with these things. I don't like this. This I don't like. This I do love. This is super important to me. You know what? What do I find important in life? Well, these are the things, and I think that 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 is really, really important. And I, and I also just think, you know. You can't always want to wake up every day and do everything. You're not always going to be motivated, but you kind of just have to do it. You have to fake it till you make it. I think that's like the three things I live by. I just sometimes when I feel like crap, I still do it anyways.
0: (laughs) Which is such an amazing skill that if people could only just get that, a lot of people, they would get so much more. Just to do it anyway, right? Because exactly. a lot of time, you know, everybody has those moments that they don't feel like getting stuff done. and doesn't you know, have to be perfect. You just day. have to do it. Perfect. Love it. Absolutely love it. So thanks so much, Alex. I think it's been a, You're
1: welcome. an
0: amazing chat. Um, where is the best place for people? Do you want to just tell people where they can sort of get in touch with you? And you know, I'd really suggest to go and follow uh, Alex's journey, maybe tune into a podcast, uh, Murphy's Law. That would be amazing, um, yeah. Good- What's your Instagram handle, darling? So people can go so check. So
1: I'm, I'm, my handle's on everything, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on whatever you can find me. It's almurph18. So it's Murph 18 almurph A-L-M-U-R-P-H-1-8. And I've literally had that screen name since I was a little girl and I never thought anything... That would come from it. And then all of a sudden it's my platform name. <laughs> so it, it's an old one, but that's been my, um, that's where you guys can find me on anything. And the podcast is called Murphy's Law with Alex Murphy. So if you want oh, to go search, no. day, it's I should to a
0: couple of because I think the. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it sounds very, very interesting, the story that you're sort of, you know, what you're saying there, different angle sounds great. So I'll go and check that out as well. Yeah,
1: I don't want to know the good things. I want to know the bad things. And I know that that's (laughs) hard for people to talk about, but I feel like that's the stuff that, that's the juicy stuff that I want to know.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So, well, thanks so much, Alex. Oh, you're welcome.